The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This with Leanne podcast and are for purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from Insider Closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. To eat well is to sleep well. To sleep well is to eat well. <laughs> the shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. <laughs> Research has shown that this over and over again, and yet it's something that's not exactly talked about. Now, as you're here, you're interested in health, and with a podcast and a show entitled Eat This, you'll quite rightly expect to hear all about food. But let me tell you, not including sleep in this health conversation would do you an absolute disservice. As with nutrition, your doctor has not received much training on how important sleep is for every single ailment or disease that they learn about in med school. So for the moment, until that hopefully changes, it's up to us to get more up to speed on it than what you might be learning in your doctor's office. Our sleep cycles, well, they include REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, which helps our emotional balance and re-energizes the mind overnight. It's your dream state. Can you believe amazingly when you're in this REM state sleep, although you're running, you're jumping, you're dancing, whatever it is that you're doing, you're actually paralyzed almost in order to do anything actively while you're in bed, like run or move or run away from something that's going on in that dream. It's like a physiological switch that gets dampened so that you're not doing all the things you are in your dream in your bed. Then there's deep sleep. Now that's integral for memory making and part of this sleep cycle that gets reduced the most as we age and is associated more with dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, after Dr. Davis Brockenshire mentioned this in episode 147 on metabolic flexibility, he said getting 20% of our overall sleep as REM sleep and the same 20% again for deep sleep. It was certainly a wake-up call for me as I've been tracking my sleep of late and my deep sleep ranges in the 2 to 10% range overnight. I feel like I'm totally underperforming. (laughs) (laughs) so what does that do that induces a an episode on sleep because like i've always said there's all these new things that i'm learning and being aware of and i'm taking you along for the ride now sleep affects our hormones our genetics our mood our ability to repair our growth and the potential for diseases like alzheimer's and even cancer it also really dictates how long you live and how healthy you are while you're living. Experts say that we are a chronically sleep-deprived society, and I have heard that from many messages and emails from you, my lovely loyal listeners, and they're so I, I know these experts are not wrong. So today on Eat This with Leanne, prioritizing sleep. 
Now, what is happening in your body when you aren't getting enough sleep? And how on earth can you up your sleep game with some of the tips that I'm going to share? And I'm going to guess that many of these you may not have tried yet. Now, just for those who are hearing Chris in the background, I had a lot of people say how much they appreciated knowing who you were from last week's episode, Chris. So I'm going to introduce you again as my wizard executive producer, because when anyone hears the lovely dulcet tones of your voice <laughs> and people have come to this uh, this for the first time, they may think, hang on a minute, I thought this was with Leanne. Who's the dude in the background? <laughs> <laughs> dulcet tones please right <sighs> well you are the voice of many things so there are you know there's some great tones to your voice my friend and <laughs> brilliance to things that you say and bring to this episode so there you have it oh yeah Lovely new loyal listeners that yeah. don't know who chris is if there's anybody who knows about sleep it's me very good at it have been for many years do you no, fall I, asleep easily do you I, stay asleep oh i think it's like anybody it depends on the, the day of the week it depends on what's going on in your brain what's going on in your life all of that factors in whether or not i had Absolutely. a big meal before bed or all of that factors Drinks. in Yes, 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 absolutely. I just know that we tend to believe we don't need a lot of sleep in order to function. And we take a certain mm -hmm. pride in that for some reason. I only got four oh. hours sleep last night. Look at me. I'm a. That, isn't I'm that a, a crazy thing? It is. It absolutely. But I mean, eh. it's like bragging rights because yeah. you can live off of such a small amount of sleep. Yep. And, and yet, sleep deprivation. If you get behind the wheel and drive your car, mm. the sleep deprivation studies show that you have the same reaction speed as if you were drunk. Yep. So what actually constitutes a good night's sleep? Well, we go through these different cycles of sleep, about a 90-minute cycle typically. As you fall asleep, you're in probably a bit of a light sleep, and then you move into this REM sleep, and then into the deep sleep, and then into typically a light phase for a little while. Now, that's about a 90-minute cycle. Now, there's a sweet spot of about eight hours of sleep. And no, that doesn't mean the time that your head hits the pillow, but actually asleep. Because for some people, that time of thinking, oh, I've been in bed for eight hours, so I'm getting eight hours of sleep, is not true. People have issues with falling asleep, staying asleep, or even waking too early. A lack of sleep can be self-inflicted because of health, unhealthy sleep hygiene habits and just because of life. Maybe you're out late one night having a great time and you think, no, it's midnight. I don't care. I do. I'm having such a great This is what life is all about. So you stay out later, but then you end up feeling like it takes days to make up for it. Oh, so not fair. Or it's the nodding off that can feel so elusive despite this absolute desperation and willingness to enter this bliss, bliss, blissful state of sleep. Then there's the waking at different times of night because it can become a habit no matter how much melatonin that you take. Let's face it. Sleep can be an ongoing shit show <laughs> induced by habit, bad habits, mm. poor sleep choices, or just poor choices in general, and inconsistencies that need to be brought to life, despite feeling that you're the victim of this sleep-wake scenario all night long. We're going to talk about 
how you can change this up. I'm going to come at this with some of the ahas that I've had while researching this and finish off with some tips and suggestions that while could be uncomfortable at first, yes, I'm going to say it right now, but could really be what finally gets you to sleep. First off, let's have a look at where are you at right now. Have you done a sleep diary, a version of a food diary that I've recommended for you to assess where you're at with the, in the past? It's a great place to start. If you have a way of tracking your sleep from maybe an Apple Watch and, uh, and the stats that go through to your health app, maybe you have an Aura Ring or some other tool that actually gives you some sort of analytical spit out, know that the experts say that these analytics are kind of closer to about 60% accurate. So just use it as a guide, not as your sleep Bible. Now, next, note what can negatively be affecting your sleep. So these are the kind of things that I talk about with a food diary. You know, you didn't feel great, so you went and had a chocolate bar, or it was all that you could pick up, whatever it happens to be, just the life things that, that you, I want you to note down. Note your eating habits in the evenings, your evening habits. What did you watch on TV? Did you have a nap on the couch? Did you fall asleep during the movie, which is what I typically do? What time did you put your phone down or get off the laptop? When did you last work out? Then also I want you to know what are your morning habits as in what time did you wake up? When is the first time that you see natural light and how much natural light are you exposed to during the day? Now, when did you have a coffee or a tea, decaf or otherwise? And when was the last meal or snack? And what was it? Was it a protein, a carb, something sugary or a bag of something crinkling in your lap? Seriously, do an absolute audit of your day and note your sleep patterns along with it. How did you feel in the morning? How many times do you think you woke up if you don't have a tracker? Do that for at least a week and then come back and listen to this episode one more time and then go on and adjust. Now, the issues of sleep, they can be influenced by a long list of contributing factors. Now, what are those? Yes, we definitely need to talk about those. I'll just give you a couple before we head to a little break. Is that good to leave in there or not? Anyway, you do whatever you want because I'm at two minutes, 34 seconds. Now, there are medications that can mess up your sleep. So read the insert of whatever it is that you're taking, do a Google search and see what you can do to manage your expectations and speak about your doctor about other options. If this is seriously messing up your sleep, then that really, really needs to be looked at. Now, caffeine and its life within your body, it has something called a half-life, a quarter-life. And even though you might be the person that thinks that, oh yeah, I can have a cup of coffee and still sleep, mm -mm, it's still affecting every single piece of your sleep, every single cycle that you have and that you go through overnight during those 90-minute sleep cycles. Now, what about booze? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to know what about, about booze? that one, Tell too. me about booze, Leanne. <laughs> I know. And cannabis, actually, which so many people use to wind down in the evening, whether it's at home or because you're having a time out with your friends, you're at a bar or whatever it is that you're doing. Know that these act as a sedative. Sedative is not sleep. It does not take you into those sleep state. And it messes so much with those sleep cycles that are counterintuitive to what your body is craving and does not help you to sleep. 
All right. Now, I know that you think that the alcohol thing is going to help you to sleep. Yes. But no, it's not. Darn. And Chris, you're probably, you're going to have to be the speaker on the booze side of things because I have pretty much stopped drinking because of the headaches that I end up with in the morning. are just not worth it. It wipes me out for a day. I don't drink so, a lot. Uh, I do have a whiskey and ginger every night. Every night, it's okay. one glass of whiskey and ginger. Every night. It just has become okay. habitual more than anything else. It's sort of my my hot glass of milk before bed, if you want, or my Ovaltine, if you want to really go back. Um, <laughs> it's an absolute habit, and so many people do that and think that. Yep. And honestly, some of what I'm talking about here, there'll be people that say, oh, God, do I really have to do that? I feel like I'm going to deprive myself and I'm not ready to do that. That's totally fine. There will be a moment. There will be a fork in the road where you are not sleeping and you're suffering and that will drive change. What alcohol and cannabis, THC of cannabis, the the, CBD. the research yeah. the research to do with CBD is kind not quite as cemented or it's not out there quite as much as THC from what I found in doing my research. But both t- alcohol and especially THC messes with your REM sleep. And that really as an integral part of the process of sleeping, just like the process of digestion, right? Like what happens if, you know, the waffles that you eat for breakfast just go straight through and come out as a, as a waffle into the toilet? Well, what use was that? That's the same kind of thing we have to think what about a, here. What a weird visual. <laughs> right? We are so well, sorry just... for that visual. <laughs> Well, you mentioned waffles and I thought of it and I'm a visual person. So I just thought this circle thing, typically they're circles, maybe they're squares going through your body, right? It's a process, the digestive process, as is the sleep process. All these things have to happen. Your brain is not going to take out the garbage that it's built up unless it has this period of time and these different, uh, these different stages of sleep to literally drain out the crap and take out the garbage. So just think about it in that way because you don't really think, oh yeah, sleep is a process just like when I ate my food or when I'm clearing my metabolites or when I'm detoxifying. So there's a really big thing there that's going on that I don't think we're talking about either. Now, the time that you eat also affects your sleep. And we need to be actually in a more of a fasted state for those sleep patterns and those cycles to happen. There's hormonal issues that can affect your sleep, like thyroid imbalance, menopause, the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, and your blood sugar balance, like hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. Now, that also plays a huge part here. Now, I have a glucose monitor on. Chris has just put his on. Yes, I this do. This morning. Yeah. Yay. So we're going to start to, you know, keep, well, we're going to start to watch on, on all of those kind of things. I know this past week, earlier in the week, my alarm was going off when my blood sugar was crashing so much in the middle of the night. However, well, first of all, the ringer's off. Second of all, I did not wake up. So that's a question that I'll have for the expert that I have yet to find for us to talk about all of this, (laughs) because it's those, I thought I would have woken up, but I didn't. Or maybe I kind of came up into a different level of sleep, but I'm not exactly sure. All right. Now back to the causes or the issues and the influences of sleep. Now, 
I just mentioned about hormones, you know, menopausal women, uh, perimenopausal women, it's huge for us and not being able to sleep. But there's also effects on testosterone. So for all the lads out there that you're listening, you're not necessarily immune when it comes to this. Now, what's the temperature of your room and how much light is coming in? Depending on the time of year, this is a huge thing. Over the winter times, I'm in Toronto. I could sleep for probably at least 10 hours if I was going with the light cycle right now. Whereas in the summertime, I'm up awake at 5, 5.30 as the sun's coming up because it's crazy. Now, other things are, could you be low in magnesium? And also, are you carrying around heavy metals like mercury from your tuna obsession or the the the, uh, the cavities that you've had, so therefore all the mercury fillings in your teeth? Or have you got too much cadmium in your body from smoking, no matter what point of life it was that you decided to, uh, decided to smoke small for a, a small amount of time or a larger amount of time? When was the last time you engaged in stimulating activity? That could be exercise, reading an email from your boss, having an argument or watching something that's stressful or scary as a movie or a TV show. And I saw a little grimace in the corner of my eye as I said, what sort of stimulating activity, Chris? <laughs> and yes, having sex can be stimulating there before you go, you go to yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not talking about that as stimulating necessarily because orgasm and the cascade of hormones can actually help induce sleep for many. Now, what does sleep deprivation affect? Everything. Truly, absolutely every single thing that is going on in our body. Yeah, I know it's not good for my marriage. <laughs> What's that? Sleep, Falling asleep? Sleep, sleep deprivation. No. Sleep deprivation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it puts us all in really awful moods. It does, doesn't it? It does. And as then everything becomes a... uber sensitive, right? It's a, it, the fuse goes from being, you know, so long to just itty bitty and boom. That's it. Yeah. And if anybody at home has a teenager, number one, they come out of their room and there's a dark cloud over their head because you know they've been on their phone too long. Exactly. And then you haven't had a good night's sleep right. and they come out grumbling to you, the parent that is not also not slept well. It is not. I bite my tongue so hard. <laughs> Some mornings where I just walk out of the room and just take a nice deep breath, <sighs> knowing that there is no point. Fuses are short everywhere and it's not going to get us anywhere. Oh, God, it's brutal. All right. Now, let's run through some of the associations that just might push you to prioritize sleep and put down this like badge of honor, like you said, Chris, of like, I can I can manage with four hours of, of sleep a night. No, you can't. And you could just drop dead tomorrow. Like, seriously, it's that serious. And other things like putting your phone down. No one wants to do that. You want to keep scrolling until you want to uh, close your eyes. Maybe also it might help you to dim the lights around in your room, in your home, and change to some healthier habits despite knowing that you're going to be uncomfortable until they become a part of your daily routine that's going to help sleep. Now, there's a great book out there, Dr. Matthew Walker. He's championing sleep all around the world, and he wrote a book called Why We Sleep. It's an 
excellent read. And among all of the information that he shares from an insane amount of research, listening to this man speak, it's just, it's like a medical journal unto itself, but a relatable one, I'll say. Now, what caught my attention was in one thing that I listened to was he said that there is no mental health or psychiatric condition in which sleep is normal. I'm going to let that one sink in for a moment. We've got an epidemic of mental health issues going on. And knowing the influence of sleep needs to be assessed and supported no matter what is going on for yourself, for your teenager, for your loved one, for no matter what their age is. Sleep has to be a part of the conversation. And as a parent of a child with mental health issues, this has not been a part of the conversation or eating for that matter, but sleep, you know, a a passing comment of how's your sleep or what is going on with your sleep? Are you sleeping? The assumption of depression equaling a lack of sleep. Yes, that's there, but it's the chicken or the egg. Are you not sleeping because you're depressed or is it the other way around? And the conversation definitely within the doctor's office, within the psychiatrist's office, I really believe needs to be uh, increased and a lot more research done into how someone is sleeping. Now, are you looking to lose weight? Yeah, we're still in February as I'm recording this. Your resolutions might be around. You will not get there unless you prioritize your sleep. The efficacy of dieting and your attempt to lose weight when you're not getting enough sleep, like anywhere around under six hours or night uh, a night or less, means that 70% of the weight that you're going to lose will come from lean muscle. It will not come from your fat stores. So that belly fat that you're looking to lose after I talked about this issue on last week's episode as I answered a lovely loyal listener question, well, your efforts, they're not useful when you're underslept. Your body will hold on to your fat and it will give up muscle, which is what drives your metabolism in the first place and helps you lose weight. So before you embark on any weight loss regime, no matter what it is, Go to sleep first. When you deprive people of sleep, they hurt more. There are more pro-inflammatory cytokines or complexes that are released when you are sleep deprived. So all, any ache or pain that you've got in your body, well, they are worse when you're not getting enough sleep. Now, Just think about a worst case scenario where maybe you've been in an accident, you've broken an arm or car crash or something like that. And of course, what happens is you end up in the hospital, the right place for you to be. Well, once you get there, you're in pain, you're taking meds, whatever happens to happens as a result of while you're why you're there, you never really sleep very well from all the beeps, from all the other people around, from nurses coming in, checking your blood pressure, leaving you um, again, and your sleep is so disrupted. And yet this is a place where you are because you're in a in a crisis. And hopefully it's a place where you start healing. Sadly, it's the last place that you want to be, other than, of course, the care and the overseeing of whatever's going on that you get from the doctors. As soon as you are able to get back home and into your bed, 
end without the beeps, the interruptions, that's more likely going to help the healing because it is helping ease the inflammation in your body. Right. So if you can leave the hospital, right, go home to your bed. But then if you've got a couple of toddlers running around, maybe leave them at the hospital so that when you get home, (laughs) there's nobody bothering you at home. I know, right? Like there's never a great scenario. That's time to call to call your village. Like, could I just have one night of sleep? Even if you could do that, because so much of the research shows that if you deprive someone for even one night of sleep, then all these crazy things happen. So I'm going to say if you can do the other flip side of things and have one great night of sleep, sound sleep, dark room, no booze, you know, all the right situations. And I've got some more suggestions for you towards the end of the episode, then that could just do you the world of good as well. And it may not continue, but it's the best that you can possibly do. Now, another thing that happens when you don't get enough sleep has to do with your immune system. It gets clobbered when you don't have enough sleep. There's a reduction in the immune complexes. Now, there's one specific cell called the natural killer cells or the NK cells, and they're a critical part of your immune army. And they're not at their posts when you are not getting enough sleep. Cancer cells, that's probably the biggest one. We all have cancer cells in our body as we're sitting here, whether you have a diagnosis or not, whether there's a lump, nothing. You could be any age and there are cancer cells in our body. And it's the natural killer cells or these NK, NK cells that keep those cancer cells just like over there and not reacting and not multiplying and just kind of keeps them at bay for as long as possible. After just one night of four hours of sleep, there is a 70% reduction in the effectiveness of your NK cells. So, and there are also links between six hours or less of sleep as uh, with an increased risk of certain types of cancer. So if you're a four hours a night, there are certain cancers associated with that. If there are six hours a night, there are other cancers associated with that. And recently, the World Health Organization stated that nighttime shift work has been classified as carcinogenic means that it is inducing or increases the risk of cancer. Now, remember, I'm telling you all these things to try, not to try and scare you with all these stats and numbers, but to help influence your decision of what are you going to prioritize. Now, also along the immune system, listen to this. You are four times more likely to get the flu if you're getting seven hours or less sleep a night. Okay. And it's hard to know unless you have a tracker how much sleep you have of a night. Yeah, no, wait a minute. Right? Do- Dr. B said that technically it, you want to be around 15 to 20 percent of that sleep to be a REM sleep, correct? Yes. So, I mean, you're asleep for seven hours, but as long as 15 to 20 percent of it is a, is a, is a, a REM sleep, then you're doing yep. great. Yes. So, but what, what can happen and what's really interesting as well is – Because we also have a genetic predisposition to are you a a night owl or are you some or you a morning person? Right. There's also ways in which we get into our sleep. So that's seven hours for some people. If that started at two in the morning, you will go through those cycles of sleep 
uh, and it's not just one cycle of sleep. It's all two or three or however many or however many you can get through. You know, sometimes when you wake up in the morning and because your alarm's gone off and you're like, whoa, I was just in the middle of a dream. Right. You're in the middle of a REM sleep cycle. Okay. When that is interrupted, that cycle did not get to finish the job that it was doing. And that's worse. And that's not good. Right. Okay. That, that, that also goes to the issues of immunity of these natural killer cells. Okay. So yes, definitely what Dr. B said, if you're getting 20% REM, 20% uh, deep sleep, which is increasingly difficult as we get older, like by the time you're 20, your deep sleep is starting to dwindle. And that's... when you're like, by the time you're 70 or 80, you probably have like next to no deep sleep. Okay. Yeah. Well, hence why people start drinking and using THC because they think they're adding to their deep sleep. That's what they they think they're doing. They believe wholeheartedly that if I just pass out, then obviously I'm in deep sleep because I'm, you know, but that's not true. That's not true because it's as it works as a sedative as um, as sleeping pills do. Sleeping yeah. pills, same thing. They are a sedative. They are not inducing these sleep cycles. Right. So there are studies out there that show that sleeping pills can induce cancer. Yeah. Well, well, why is that? Because you're not actually sleeping right. and going through those sleep cycles. Right. On the surface, sure, you're this drooling mess of a person, but deep down, sure. everything's still firing on all cylinders. You're not, your body is not healing properly. It is not. It has to go through these sleep cycles yeah. to go through everything that that it needs to. There is a process. Like I said, it's the waffle in the mouth and then into the <laughs> toilet. Go back it's to useless. The <laughs> I had just forgotten about the waffle and you bring it back into the conversation. (laughs) Well, let's talk to the parents out there. You know, Chris, you've got kids. I've got kids. You know, I didn't get much sleep when my kids were young. And, you know, even now at different times it happens. And, you know, after even at worse, I'm going to say after I had my second, I was sick all the time. They were sick all the time. It was brutal. We just go through this like haze of what, three to five years, depending on how many kids you have, where they're sick, I'm sick, you're sick. Like it is absolutely crazy as you go through these cycles of life as well. So, you know, Chris, you're talking about going and having those drinks and thinking, okay, I'm going to do THC. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. You know, and there's also something called CBDN out there, I believe, which a lot of people are using for sleep. Did not look into that, but I'll just call that out that some people say that that's supposed to help them a little bit more, but it doesn't necessarily. Right, now, how about your glucose control? Now, I'm wearing my glucose monitor. Chris has got his on, so I'm monitoring my glucose and my sleep. Especially understanding that sleep deprivation, for me, can lead to this dysregulated glucose, this up, this down, and all, everything that goes on with that. And it messes with my appetite and then also what I'm eating. I'm trying to do a really good job of keeping things balanced and stable, but as soon as it's off, it just, you know, it's like like a tidal wave almost, but maybe not that dramatic. It creates a wave. Now those getting less than seven hours 
of sleep. Now I'm doing this glucose monitor thing because I'm predisposed to diabetes and those getting less than seven hours are more likely to get to, to get diabetes or even move themselves into a pre-diabetic state. I did not know that. I didn't know this. So this is like the big thing that I've learned now. Great. I've got my glucose monitor on my arm. I'm doing all of that. But have I put my mind to my attention to my sleep enough yet? No. So my butt's being kicked in this episode as well, just so you know. After one week of short sleep, your blood sugar level will get so messed up that you could look like a diabetic if you did a oral glucose tolerance test, which is not a, not a nice thing to do. I had to do that in my first pregnancy. Now, insulin insensitivity, or we've called it many times insulin resistance when we've talked about this, can come from a lack of sleep, not just from your diet, because sleep deprivations means that you release less insulin and your cells or receptor sites where the glucose is trying to get into, well, they say, Mm-mm, no go, going to slam the door on you, and it doesn't take in as much glucose. Now, what this means is that the glucose remains higher in your bloodstream, it's circling around, it hits your brain, it hits your cells, which kind of make them like hard, a little bit like you would imagine cholesterol when it lays down on your arteries and that increases the aging process uh, and like i said sits in your sits in your brain and that's when the alzheimer's and dementia conversation starts and what happens with that glucose because it can't get into the cells yep it goes into your fat stores just like i talked about last week especially around your belly and that is not what we want either Now, poor glucose management and sleep insufficiency go hand in hand. Now, let's talk about eating after you've had a crappy night's sleep. Chris, you must have had this, right? Like you just, you're kind of not necessarily pulling all nighter, but you're having a great time. You've had maybe a drink or maybe you haven't had a drink, but you are definitely sleep deprived. The next day, what happens? Well, first of all, you're irritable, you're anxious and you're impulsive Mm -hmm. and that just makes for a crappy day. But what happens with your eating? Uh, you want to eat a lot, right? Uh, usually something either greasy or sugary mm-hmm. um, is usually where I go. So I'm I'm already thinking egg McMuffin or uh, <laughs> chocolate chip um, uh, muffin from Tim Hortons mm-hmm. <laughs> are two of my favorites. Uh, apple fritter, right. huge oh one. Yep. Uh, but apple fritter, I mean, that's one of the major four major food groups. So that's any time of the day. Um, Got it. Yeah. Got it. So that gives mm-hmm. you an idea of, of who I am and why this glucose monitor will probably <laughs> blow just, up. Yeah, melt <laughs> off my arm at some point. <laughs> it's gonna be saying, Can I trade can I trade up my human? There's no <laughs> hope. There is I can't n- keep up. <laughs> no hope for this guy. I might as well be somewhere else. Exactly. Oh boy. All right. Well, when you don't get enough sleep, there are just a whole, there's just an absolute mess of hormones going on to do with your appetite and then the appetite suppression. It's kind of similar to when maybe how you feel when you have a hangover, but it's not quite the same. So you've got these two hormones called leptin and one's called ghrelin. And they normally do what they're supposed to do. But in this case, they go in different directions. High leptin. Now that tells you that you're full. And ghrelin increases and you feel more hungry. So you go and eat more. Now, usually leptin goes up after a meal and ghrelin goes down. 
Now, when you don't get enough sleep, you lose that full feeling and then the ghrelin increases, which means that you're going to overeat at meals, but it's actually more the snack King that gets you to your point of going for the apple fritter, Chris, right? Isn't that funny that you, they call it a ghrelin? Because I've often referred to the little monsters in my tummy as gremlins. That's right. right? right? Gremlins. Yes. And so the, when the gremlins, we have to feed the gremlins. Yeah. Isn't yeah. That, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, studies show that you not only eat around 400 extra calories, you know, in this snacky state that you're in, but you're also more drawn to sugary, starchy, salty foods like chips. But really, no matter what it is, it's probably mostly a carb. And then that roller coaster continues if your food doesn't contain high fiber. So not an apple, probably not. <laughs> or it's a, is a higher glycemic index, which means that the release of sugar, like your apple fritter, like your uh, glass of juice versus glass of apple juice versus versus the actual apple, that really makes a big difference. And it just you just get on this treadmill or on this hamster wheel and you just keep on going. And don't think that if you stay up, all night long. Oh, well, I didn't get much sleep. I'm burning more calories because I was up and I was dancing and I was doing all these kind of things. Well, maybe you were if you were dancing because the difference in the calories that you were, that you burn typically of being asleep versus being awake is only a hundred calories difference because your body is doing so much work overnight in healing, in putting out the trash, in detoxifying. So it's not exactly like, okay, I'm laying down and no, you're not burning any calories. It's really the exact opposite. Now, sleep, it's a learned skill and there's so much association with it. Maybe that you go into a dark room, you've got your cozy blankets, you've got your comfy pillow, and you know that you can do it. You can fall asleep. Hey, you know, whenever I sit on the couch and watch a movie, what happens? Out. Immediately. I'm out, right? So there is an association. And now my kids say that. Should we bother you know, watching a movie, mom's just going to fall asleep. I'll, I'll sit up and watch TV shows. That's fine. But there's something about a movie. There's an association there for me. When I sit down to watch a movie, there is a point at which I will drift off. Don't know why, but it just happens. So there are these associations. Now, you know that you can sleep. Something I used to say to my girls when they wouldn't sleep, I just would, would reassure them and say, the sleep will come. It does every single night. And that could be something that you have to tell yourself tell yourself every single night. Now, for good sleep, Dr. Walker in his book talks about the depth of sleep. So that's the quality of the sleep, the duration of your sleep, the continuity of your sleep, and the regularity of your sleep. So keep the the all of those aspects of what makes up a good night's sleep. Because it's not just that your eyes were closed and then they, you know, then you woke up at some point. All of those key aspects are really important. Darkness, that is key. Now I've always thought that when I close my eyes, it's dark. So it's fine. I can fall asleep. And the other night, my daughter, she was closing my door really slowly, making me think that she was doing something not so good on the other side of the door. And I said, why are you closing the door? And she said, because the lights are on. I said, it's fine. My eyes are closed. It's dark behind my eyelids. I'm good. But not, that's not the same for everyone. A lot of people need their room to be dark. No lights on. And I think because I don't really suffer so much with a lack of sleep, unless I typically know 
there's something going on, it's stress, my hormones, whatever. I don't need this so much, but those blackout blinds for a lot of people are really, really important. I definitely know, like I said, in the summertime, I am up early because the sun just comes up and then it's a whole other, it's a, it's a whole other, uh, whole other day going on there. Now, To induce darkness doesn't just mean those blinds go down at nighttime. It means start to turn down those lights, get some dimmer switches in your house. And about four hours before you go to bed, see what you can do to dim any light that you are surrounded by. Those night modes on your phone. Yeah, I know you might turn it on or think, okay, yeah, I'm doing all the right things. They don't really cut it according to the research. But those blue blue light blocking glasses, they can help uh, for sure. An hour before bed, it is time to shut down all of your tech and light from a screen. I just heard people drop their phones or their headphones because I know it's not easy. But honestly, if you're not sleeping, and I said off the top that some of the changes I'm going to suggest are going to make you uncomfortable and you're not going to like it. Put the phone, the tablet, the laptop down. And I'm also talking to myself because I'm on my computer pretty much until I go to bed. So all of us need to put it down at least an hour before bed. Blue light stops melatonin production. That's all there is to it. And melatonin is the hormone that puts you to sleep. Now, you just got to put a line in the sand, create a boundary, start a new habit, pick up a book. Even if it's you're not a reader, I suck at reading. So the thought of picking up a book just puts me to sleep, which is probably a good thing. But also what you could do is just run a warm bath and add in some Epsom salts or some lavender oil that can help to reduce your cortisol or your stress levels. Speaking of a hot bath, if your room temperature is not right, your sleep is going to be completely messed up. Now, your body needs a temperature drop within our bodies by one degree Celsius or two to three degrees Fahrenheit at night. You'll find it easier to fall asleep in a room that's cool rather than if it's too hot. Now, at home, we have our thermostat. We don't get a thermal cue like outside to go to sleep because the thermostat keeps all of our rooms and our homes at the same temperature. So let's talk quickly about thermal manipulation. Manipulating your core body temperature can induce sleep quicker in falling asleep and in can also influence your deep sleep state by 10 to 20% and even more in people uh, who are older and those with insomnia. So you need to cool the body. And here I am saying about getting into a hot bath seems counterintuitive, right? But with a hot bath, a sauna, or a hot shower. It's all going to produce the same effect, especially the bath when you're immersed in it or a sauna because it's all around you. A a shower can be good too. Now, when you get into the bath, there's something called vasodilation happens. That's when the cells on your skin open up. You get red, basically. That's vasodilation. That happens on the surface of the skin. So the heat from your core from everything inside moves out to the surface and your skin is the one that's dissipating, getting rid of the heat as your core temperature lowers. This is what you want. You want your core temperature to be lower. So a hot sauna and then a cold plunge or a cold shower can really, really help your sleep. And especially if you're someone that travels and gets jet lag, this is absolutely what you need to do when you get to your destination. So if you can't sleep at night, 
Go get up. Don't stay in bed for any longer than 20 minutes. Get up. Go get in the shower. Go run a bath. Warm yourself up and then hit the cold and then get back into the into bed. This is the second thing that I was talking about when I said you're going to be uncomfortable. And Chris, I'm looking at you because I know that this is just not on your list of ever to do. <laughs> no, no. You know me well <laughs> enough now. Uh, yes. <laughs> no chance. No chance. No. I'd rather sleep with uh, scorpions than get into a shower and turn it to cold. Sorry. Yep. One day. One day. Maybe I'll send you a certificate. I went, there's a new place in Toronto that just opened. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. Maybe like the other ship or something like that. Anyway, it's a sauna. You book yourself in and you go in the sauna and there's a whole bunch of people and there's a really big sauna. Um, And then you go in the sauna with your own towel. Mm -hmm. And then after 20 minutes, then they kind of let you know the timing and then you move out of the sauna whenever you want to. And then they have four cold plunge tubs Mm -hmm. with ice cubes floating in them. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they must be doing it. And I actually paid for it. Chris, I got to tell you, the place was packed. (laughs) It is sold out every single slot of the day. You mean there are more people out there just as crazy as you are? Yes, there really are. Stop the planet. I want to get off. Right? (laughs) I did three cycles of this. My friends that I were with after two, they were like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. And they have people there called guides who, when you go and ready to get into the cold plunge pool, they actually take you through a couple of deep breaths, um, a couple of exercises. They walk you through it. Um, They've got some nice, lovely distractions, like some wind chimes and things like that. But they just, they're talking to you the whole time. They tell you how much of your body to put in. The first time I got in, I put my hands in my and my shoulders in my hands were so painful that that was the most uncomfortable thing so I lasted like a minute 30 and then I got out and my two friends were in the next tub and they were like what you got out early I said well your shoulders weren't in or your hands so the next time I was like right fine I'll, I'll keep up with them but I kept my hands out of the cold tub the second uh the second cycle and I did the same thing the third and the third time I got in I was like this is totally cool I'm totally fine. I did not go <laughs> as I got in and I lasted and I came out that night's sleep. I have to tell you the best I've had for such a long time. <laughs> so there definitely is something to it. And the research that's coming out about this in the sleep space is very encouraging and it is uncomfortable. I'm going to say that it is not pleasant. However, if it gives you a good night's sleep and helps you to live longer and live a better life while you're living, it could really, truthfully, be worth it. All right. Now, let's talk about the temperature of your bedroom. Essentially, it's probably going to end up being colder than you think. And if you are able to turn the heat down in the house that influences your bedroom, somewhere between 63 and 66 degrees Fahrenheit or 17 degrees Celsius is optimal. Now I know if I leave, if I don't turn the heat down at night to closer to 19, my sleep is totally off. If it's up at 20, 23, 22, something like that, because it's freezing. Given that I live in a condo, which is surrounded by glass. So, um, you know, it can get really quite cold. Then that's really, that really does make a big difference. So another thing that you can try now, just the overarching things that you can do 
for a period of time, once you've done your assessment, done your audit, your sleep audit, what is it that you are doing in 24 hours? Sleep is not just about when your head hits the pillow. When was your last glass of booze or did you use cannabis? Whatever it was, see what you can do to flip it. Maybe it is ditch the booze, ditch the cannabis for at least two weeks. Start Stop eating at about 6 or 7 p.m., depending on when you're going to bed, at least three hours before you go to bed. And if you need to, have something to drink, have some warm herbal tea in the evening. Supplements that you can take to help induce sleep. Physica Energetics, Dr. B has talked about this before, makes something called HPA Axis, which is all about managing stress, and it contains ashwagandha, which is a herb so great for moderating stress because you can have these stress cycles throughout the night, which is what's waking you up. In episodes 131, 133, and uh, and another one, which I can't think of the number right now, Rishi, mushroom is great for sleep. You can take it in the morning and also at nighttime. Magnesium, if you're deficient in magnesium, your sleep's going to be off. You can get magnesium bisglycinate over on uh, SproutRight.com as well as the HPA axis. Um, and uh, Rishi mushrooms, that's uh, from Real Mushrooms. I'll put those uh, that link in the show notes for you. And there's also some amino acids. There's an amino acid called theonine. T-H-E-O-N-I-N-E that you can search out and take that also before you go to bed because it helps so much with relaxation. Now, I know some of the things I'm telling you are a bit of a drag and you think, oh, this is not going to feel like I'm living. But honestly, if you're not, if you're not sleeping, you're not living your best life despite your best intentions. Now, this episode likely begs for a part two, but let's see what you think of these things that I've talked about for now, for starters, and we can revisit with another episode later. Didn't really get into everything to do with your brain and your glymphatics, to do with your memory. Oh my gosh, what I what I found about memory and uh, and sleep and those sleep cycles and why sometimes, even though I managed to talk on this episode for however long it is, I just can't find the words, even though they're buried somewhere inside my brain. They're not connecting with my mouth and then and my voice and getting out there. Huge associations, once again, with sleep. There are other ways that you can manipulate your body temperature. So go and have a look at Dr. Walker's uh, book. See what you can find there, because this, I know, is a very hot topic. Thanks so much for being along. I'm really grateful that you're showing up for yourself by coming back and listening to this episode. Or if this is the first time that you're here or you're listening to the show on the radio, know that you can head over to leannephillipson.com, find all the show notes from this episode 150 and so many others. And you can find uh, the episodes just by searching on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or also on Spotify. I've had a lot of people lately when I refer to other episodes sending me emails. Where do I find this episode? It was 113 about adaptogens. I want to hear more. So I just send you back the link, but know that you can just search for that in whatever browser you're in. And it should just come up when you search for Eat This With Leanne. I'll put links in the show notes to those products that I just just listed off to you as well. And thank you again for turning up and being here. And thank you to Chris for injecting all of your humor 
giving me the inspiration to talk about things like waffles and <laughs> and for your amazing work in as an ex- executive producer on this podcast. I'll see you next week for something even more interesting. And in two weeks, ladies who are going through the perimenopause phase, you will not want to miss that. I've got her nailed in. This woman is just a firecracker of information that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So with all that said, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>